Today's show is brought to you by mParticle. It's the only customer data platform built to address modern data challenges. For most brands today, customer interactions are spread across a lot of connected devices, and that makes it tough to create optimal experiences and drive the right marketing outcomes. That's why brands like Spotify, Venmo, and Airbnb use mParticle. It lets them unify customer data into a single customer view. Then they can easily integrate that data into any marketing or analytics platform with no additional engineering time required. The result is more personalized customer experiences on websites and in apps, as well as more relevant ads across all channels and partners. Visit mparticle.com to learn how mparticle can help your business unify the customer experience and accelerate growth. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. I have been at my job for, I don't know, a thousand mooches, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today, I'm in New York City with Anthony Scaramucci, also known as The Mooch. He's the founder of Skybridge Capital and before that worked at Goldman Sachs and started a different financial firm, Oscar Capital Management. But to most of my listeners, he's known for the 10, I guess, long days he spent in the Trump White House last year. Anthony, welcome to the Recode Decode podcast. Did you ever think you'd be here? No, I never thought I'd be here, given the fact that you bombed me on Twitter. Bomb, I trolled you, it's called. Trolling, bombing, yeah. it's fine. I, I, I actually personally like you, so I'm Did you like I'm, the trolling? I thought it was rather yeah, it clever. Yeah, it doesn't bother Wasn't me Wasn't mean, it was funny. No, it actually doesn't bother me at all. I think I've learned after my... Uh, firing and my rolling in broken glass in right. the American yeah. media that yeah. I actually have a strong concept yeah. which I can take just about it. Yeah, anything. the media so, seems to like you quite a bit, the, Anthony. The, the, you think? Yes, okay, I do. Well, yeah, I, I think do. it's a love-hate relationship. No, I don't think they hate you. I think they're amused by you for sure, but they're definitely going to give it to you. Um, but you give it back, so it's just as fine. Yeah, no, so, it's good. So let's good. start. It's Explain healthy. who you are. Anthony Scaramucci. Well, I want to address the media at one point, too, because right. okay, I think it's will. very important for the United sure. States. But right. So who am I? That's a good question. Okay. Hopefully I'll figure that out before I die. But but I um, well, I grew up in a middle-class family. My parents didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father in New York, start, in New York uh, mm-hmm. out on Long Island. Where? Um, I grew up in a town called Port Washington. Mm-hmm. I'll I grew give up you in l- Roslyn Harbor, Anthony. Okay, so you, do you remember do you remember McCormick Sand and Stone? No, remember I do not. Remember Gothic Sand and Stone? Not really. Okay, so you know where the clock tower is in sure, Roslyn, right? And so if you head north out of Roslyn into Northern the Boulevard, peninsula, yeah. but into the peninsula of Port Washington right. on West Shore Road, uh-huh. there was a very large sand embankment there. You probably maybe you remember maybe that I growing did. up as a kid. Yeah. So, so our area, Roslyn Harbor, Port mm-hmm. Washington, had the largest granular sand deposit in mm-hmm. North America. And so mm-hmm. all of Long Island is a glacial deposit. Mm-hmm. When the glacier receded back to the North Pole, right. it left Long Island, Block Island, Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard, the elbow of Cape Cod. Right. And there you go. And so right there in the peninsula of Port Washington, uh, it took 95 years for Italian, Welsh, and Irish immigrants to mine out that sand. And mm-hmm. so my family originally started in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. Oh my in God! A coal my family's town. from Scranton. Yeah, so there you go, Plains, PA. Actually, okay. My family so, owns a coal mining company. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, Strip so mining. so my so my grandfather actually wasn't a miner, mm-hmm. but he had a store mm-hmm. in that town in in Plains, Pennsylvania, yeah. and so. He told my my father and his two older brothers to leave the town. He didn't want them going into the mines. And so they responded to classified advertising to go mine sand on Long Island. And oh, so wow. 
So they landed in the town of Port Washington, mm-hmm. and my dad started with a uh, payloader. Uh, he worked the conveyor belt. Uh, mm-hmm. They used to measure barges. Sure. This is probably giving you too much more than you no, want. I like but, it. It's fascinating. But the, the sand would be put on a barge in by Bar Beach, Hempstead mm-hmm. Harbor. Mm-hmm. It would be tugboated through the Throg's Neck over to Long Island City. Mm-hmm. It would be mixed with the concrete. Concrete and building. Yeah. And so what people don't realize is that the, the gateway for the skyscrapers here mm-hmm. was the Queensboro Bridge, the 59th mm-hmm. Street Bridge. It was, uh, it was erected in 1909. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you took the sand from Long Island. Right. You mixed it into concrete. And you had those big cin- mm-hmm. cylinder trucks ride over the Queensboro Bridge to build these buildings. So wow. 65% of the concrete here mm-hmm. came from my hometown from 19. 19- 1905 to 2000. Dad dug it. My dad spent 42 years in that company. Wow. So, so he worked for the same company for 42 years. Um, started with his hands, never right. went to college. Right. Uh, he had an uh, unbelievable work ethic. I can still see and remember my mom preparing his lunch pail. What did your mom uh, do? My mom was a homemaker. Homemaker. And so this is very important to understand because – that family that I came from was an aspirational working class family. We mm-hmm. lived in a working class area of the town. Port Washington is quite affluent. It is. Thank God for that because it was a very good public school system. But there are certain enclaves inside of Port Washington in the 1970s that had blue collar people in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, blue collar people could afford to live there because there were very high wages post-World War II as we were continuing business. our industrialization. Um, these other nations were vanquished. There was a shortage of labor. And so my dad had what I would call a light blue-collar wage for a blue-collar job. Right. I mean, he wasn't a white-collar person. But we had Sears Tough Skins. We were taking air conditioners in and out of our mm-hmm. our house. We shared one bathroom, five of us. But it was a, it was a great way to grow up. And so, and I was a product of a very good public school system. In Port Washington, it is. In Port Washington. So I'm not one of these, even though I'm a Republican, I'm not one of these conservatives that are for no government or too small of a government. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that you have to have an energetic government to help create a level playing field, or at least as level playing field as you get. No question. And so you need the Republicans are going to have to wake up and recognize that they're not going to fix the uneven educational problem in the United States through charter schools or school choice and things like that. They're elements Mm -hmm. of the process of fixing it, but you have to have broad scale public education. And we'll talk about this later. Fun. Have that broad scale. We're teaching. I mean, have that broad scale public education reform, uh, and it has to come through the public schools, and it has to come from union accountability. It's not going to come from. I've got a charter school, and that's how mm-hmm. we're going to do this. I mean, they're great, and they should be supported, and I do support them financially, but it's not the single element. So so here I am in this uh, blue-collar enclave in a very nice community, 22 miles from Manhattan, uh, Manhattan and uh, I go to Schreiber High School. You may remember that from Roslyn Harbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go to Tufts University, and from Tufts, I go to Harvard Law School. Mm-hmm. And getting myself educated, and then it dawns on me that I'm going to do better in the world of finance and investing than I would necessarily practicing law. So I go to Goldman Sachs. I spend seven years there. Were you a good banker, Anthony? No, I sucked. Mm -hmm. I was terrible at being a banker. So I started in investment banking. Um, My job at Goldman started on August 14th, 1989. I was fired from Goldman Sachs on February 1st, 1990. (laughs) 
So I sucked at it. And yeah. so what did you suck at? What was your I suckage? sucked at being an investment banker and an investment banking associate. You know, I, I couldn't do the spreadsheet math and mm-hmm. the macro algorithms that you needed to do to run the process. And I was mm-hmm. bored to tears by it. And Goldman is a pretty swift place at recognizing when somebody sucks. Mm -hmm. And so it took them 18 short months. They fired me. Mm -hmm. And this is a learning lesson for younger people listening to your podcast. Don't burn any bridges. And so I stayed tight with the guy that fired me. And I came back on Monday. I was fired on Friday, February 1st. I was back Monday pumping uh, quarters. I got a roll of quarters Mm because there were no cell phones back then. I was pumping quarters into pay phones here in midtown Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And one of my buddies said, hey, there's a job opening at at Goldman Sachs. Mm-hmm. And so I laughed. I said, where is it? It's in the investment area. And so I called my old boss who had just fired me. I said, hey, there's a job opening on the 28th floor. I had gotten fired from the 17th floor. I said, could you put a good word in for me? He said, you know what? I would. You're an honest guy. You worked hard. You just sucked at this job. Right. And so I went upstairs. I interviewed for the, for the other job and got rehired into Goldman Sachs. On Monday. No, it took about uh, six weeks. And right. so I was fired. So what did you move to? I was to? fired on February 1st, and I got rehired on March 28th. So I mm-hmm. moved into the equities area, the mm-hmm. stock market area. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was great. I thrived Couldn't in that. Couldn't have just area. moved, Anthony. You could have just not moved, to, to been yeah, moved. I, I should have taken that job. The funny part about this is there was a guy named Bill Groover. He's now a professor at Bucknell University. Mm-hmm. He's in his early 70s. He told me when I was coming out of uh, law school— to go into the equities area. I was well-suited for it. Right. I told him, no, I wanted to be an investment banker. And he said, yeah, you're a jerk-off. You want to be an investment banker because you think it's cooler than being in the equities area. Right. And I had to admit that that yeah, was true. Course, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was the cooler job. And yeah. so learning lesson number one, don't take the cooler job. Yeah. Well, don't try to impress cool. your friends. Take the job that you're well-suited for and take the job that you think you could do a better job at. And mm-hmm. so... I had to get that lesson the hard way. I got fired. Mm-hmm. So, you know, John Kelly wasn't the first person to oh, fire me. I've been me. fired. Yeah, I've been Several fired. Times. You've been fired a couple times? Several times. My yeah, first journalism job. Not bad to be fired. It's, it's harder fine. to fire people than it is. I've had to fire. I've, I've counted 20 people that I have had to personally fire, mm-hmm. and I've been fired twice. And I can tell you, it's like when your parents said to you, I mean, we, we can't hit our kids anymore, but when kids were getting hit, and I mm-hmm. used to get hit by my dad, he would always say, this is hurting me more than it's hurting you, as he would <laughs> hit me with the belt, you know? <laughs> and, you know, getting fired is probably less painful than firing somebody, at least for me. Yeah, I me don't too. like the yeah. process of firing somebody because, you know, you're creating anxiety in another mm-hmm. human being, and I don't really like doing that. Yeah, so you so, so you worked to take I like creating sex. security in human beings, right, not anxiety. Secu- well, we're going to get to that. Yeah. So you... Uh, so you Wait, fired twice. So Goldman Sachs and the White House, yeah. right? So, um, so you uh, you go on to do what? You leave Goldman Sachs. So now I'm at uh, Matt Goldman. I'm in the equities area, raging bull market in the '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner and I are running a private wealth team, mm-hmm. uh, and we extract that private wealth team from Goldman. We form a company that has a hedge fund mm-hmm. and a registered investment advisory, where we're managing money for wealthy people. Uh, we make a ton of mistakes, but are tied. The rising tide yeah, of the, the bull market, market yeah. is really wiping out a lot of our mistakes. And so we go on to great success. Mm-hmm. And in five short years, we sell our registered investment advisor to Newberger Berman, which was a New York-based, at that time, publicly traded asset manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my partner, Andy Bozart, uh, is probably in his early 60s now. Great guy. Um, great mentor of mine. 
And so we run that business over there for a while. He then goes on to retire. He lives up in uh, Nantucket now. Mm-hmm. And I'm at Newburger. Newburger then gets purchased by Lehman Brothers. So mm-hmm. this is October of 03. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm at Lehman. Uh, I was building a relationship with Dick Fold and some of the senior people oh, there. Yeah. I go to them in 05 mm-hmm. and say, I'd like to leave and start something that I'm going to call Skybridge Capital. Right. I explain to them what it is. Uh, uh, Dick is great to me. Uh, he offers me $10 million of balance sheet capital to go into my fund. Mm-hmm. I then go to Merrill Lynch, who sold my business. They were the merger banker for the original sale. Right. They gave me $10 million. Uh, Michael Dell's family office, uh, I'd known Michael from uh, my days back at Goldman mm-hmm. and some of his guys, they also come in. And so my original investors are the Dell family office, uh, Lehman Brothers and Merrill. Right. Uh, I put my own personal dough in, and we start Skybridge in this building that we're speaking from on the sixth floor in a hedge fund hotel, literally in a very small room. There's a, there's a small table. There's four computers and a couple of telephones, and that's how we get Skybridge So why did you started. want to go off on your own? I, I'm very interested in entrepreneurs and, um, and why they do what they do. I think that people uh, experience something, and I tell my children this. I have five children. You experience something from the age of 11 to 17 mm-hmm. uh, that drives your passion and love for vo- your, your your vocation. You fi- Your vocation finds you from mm-hmm. age 11 to 17. I don't know what it is. It could be medicine. It could be Mm -hmm. journalism. It could be something. For me, uh, my dad uh, had his hours uh, reduced, Mm -hmm. and there was some financial anxiety in the house as a result of that because, you know, the the overtime hours are more valuable to somebody that works by the hour because it's time and a half or double time depending on the time. And so I went out and got myself a paper route. I was 11, 12 years old. I was hustling papers around Mm -hmm. my uh, neighborhood. And I was giving almost all the money to my folks uh, to supplement the budget. So financial anxiety. Some financial anxiety. And so what I learned about myself is that I could start up. I could create something out of nothing. I had a paper route. I was stocking shelves at Key Food. I worked in my uncle's motorcycle shop. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to have my own business someday. I'm going to be my own man Mm -hmm. someday. I went to law school uh, for some of the silliest reasons on earth. I... uh, I read an article in Time Magazine about Cravath, Swain, and Moore, oh, dear. a WASP law firm that yeah, I I probably could there. have never gotten in there. Right. Okay, and they were paying their law school associates a hot, uh, at that time sixty-five thousand dollars a mm-hmm. year. My dad was making like thirty-three grand. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Oh my god, this is like double my right, dad's." So I'm money. going to law school. Right. I'm going to be totally set financially for life. And when I got to law school, I realized it didn't fit me. Yeah, you don't fit. And a so I. I de-plugged or unplugged from law school, got my job at Goldman, got fired from Goldman, got rehired into Mm -hmm. Goldman, and then I started my first business at the age of 32. And, you know, when I was at Lehman, it was fine, but I always had the bug to start another business. You don't strike me as a very good employee. uh, I'm not. I'm not. I am too. I don't like bosses. I'm unemployable, actually. I'm not a good employee because, you know, I mean— People take me the wrong way. You know, right. I actually have a great team player. <laughs> I was captain of my high school football team. Right. I know how to run a process. I know how to be a team player. Believe it or not, even though I've got a strong personality, I subordinate my 
my ego to very talented people. So mm-hmm. I don't run the money at Skybridge. Right. I've got brilliant guys running the money, and my mm-hmm. ego's healthy enough where I don't need to insert myself into that process. So this is a know? new, Skybridge is new, is the newest of these. This, but you, since well, you started 13, with that early money. Yeah, it's that, 13 years old. Right. Uh, I started Skybridge. How much do you have under on, investment? Uh, there's $10.9 billion under management here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the 20th largest fund of funds in the world. What, according do, you, what do you do then if you have all these guys running? Uh, what do I do? It's a really good question. So I've got a limited skill set. Here, here's my, here's my <laughs> self-evaluative okay. skill set, okay? I know how to evaluate talent, mm-hmm. okay? So if you ask me about Steve Bannon, I'll leave mm-hmm. out the expletives, but I can tell you, you can exactly I can tell you exactly who the guy is, okay? If you want to ask me about Ryan's Priebus, boom, I can give you the scouting report, what his mm-hmm. pluses and minuses are, and I can do it objectively. Mm-hmm. So I know how to evaluate talent. Uh, number two, effective communicator, although I am polarizing because I'm very opinionated, and mm-hmm. so some people don't like opinionated people. Right. And I'll tell you another thing I've learned is people don't like the truth. Right. Uh, no, you tell you tell somebody the truth, they get very upset, they set their hair on fire, and they run around in a circle. So mm-hmm. if you say the morale sucks in the White House, mm-hmm. well, by the way, the morale does suck in the White House, mm-hmm. but you're not allowed to say that because that's the truth. Right. See what I mean? Right. It's going back to a few good men from uh, yeah, a you generation ago. Truth. You can't handle the truth, right? right. So, so that's tell somebody the truth, you're very polarizing. Right. But let me tell you something, though. If you tell somebody the truth— it's very liberating. I mean, I'm 54 years hey, young. I'm 54 years. Brand. I'm 54 years young for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm rolling out of bed saying, "Hey, no problem." Okay, right. I've run this business as sound ethically as you could run a business. I would never dishonor my dad and his work are ethic. Are they still living? Parents? They are. Yeah. yeah, 82 and 81. They still mm-hmm. live in the same house I grew up in. The funny part about that is I wanted to move them once I started making some dough, mm-hmm. and but they're wedded to the neighborhood. Yeah, they're they're like, wedded to the my area. Grandma stayed in her same house. I renovated, I renovated the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got all brand new furniture and appliances and all that other stuff and new roof and new basement. You know, I mean, whatever they wanted. Funny thing is, is because you're some Italian mm-hmm. heritage. So I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Okay, When you turn to your parents, you say, okay, pops, what kind of car do you want? I'm going to mm-hmm. buy you a new car. What does my father, this old line Italian, say that he wants? Chrysler. Remember? Well, close. Uh, yeah, a Cadillac. Cadillac, Cadillac, Cadillac yeah. right? A Cadillac, right? Mm-hmm. There's a one a German car, right? My mother says Mercedes. Right. right? She's <laughs> a dummy, right? She's very status conscious, <laughs> right? So I buy the Mercedes. My father gets this lease deal mm-hmm. from the Cadillac dealer. Right. So I get a, a Mercedes and a Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Now I go back. You know, I, I visit my parents every Saturday and Sunday and make sure they're okay. And mm-hmm. I always bring my kids there. It's a good grounding wire mm-hmm. for them to see how I grew up so they don't get too detached from reality, right? Mm-hmm. The Cadillac never moves from the driveway. Oh, the Mercedes is being used by everybody, right. including my father. Mm-hmm. I finally look around. My mother says, yeah, he hates that Cadillac. So I had to return the Cadillac, eat the lease, and mm-hmm. buy him a Mercedes. Oh. Okay, so that's probably like probably in trouble now because that's a globalist thing to do. But <laughs> but uh, okay. but my point my point being is is that like, you know people don't really know what they want yeah, until they no, get what they want. No, right? that's true. So yeah, look, I've lived this very improbable, very blessed life. Uh, entrepreneurs, smart ones, mm-hmm. know that a lot of their success is providential, mm-hmm. or if they don't believe in God, it's from the universe. It's from mm-hmm. the karmic atmosphere luck. of the universe. Yeah. Luck. Um, you, you know, I don't know. I didn't pick my upbringing. I didn't pick my parents. I didn't pick the location of my birth. Mm-hmm. So therefore, definitionally, I won the lottery. Right. If there are certain axiomatic facts about life, one of them being life is unfair, mm-hmm. 
the people sitting here in this podcast, we won the lottery. Right. By Absolutely. that by that definition. No, I think so, about that all the time. So for me, I wake up with a lot of gratitude about life. Um, and I also recognize that the human condition is going to come with tragedy because mm-hmm. you're going to have to say goodbye to people that you mm-hmm. love. I mean, that's unfortunately, if you get to an adult age, you're going to see people die that you love. Right. You know, I dedicated my first book to uh, one of my best friends who was my brother-in-law. He died of stomach cancer at the age of 44 in mm-hmm. 2009. Right. Very painful. So, yeah. so, you know, but the flip side of it is there's a lot of fun things to do in life. Right. But if you're listening to this podcast and you obviously like Kara, listen, is that how you pronounce your name? Kara. Kara. Let me just say this, okay? Live your truth. Live your dream. Live who you are. Live your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Be who you are because you're only here visiting, okay? Right. And like Mel Brooks said, one of the best lines ever is, you know, relax. None of us are getting out of here alive, no, okay? No. So so live your live your dream so, and, and, um, and, and relax into it. Whatever so, happens to you, roll with it. All right. So how did you get wrapped up with the Trump people then? Because quite a few of these things you're saying are not things that come out of this particular White House or maybe— they do. They do and they don't. I mean, the the messaging is flawed. Right. Uh, the the process of the messaging is so flawed. How did you get the, hooked up with him? What was the? So I was with. Uh, first of all, I've known the president uh, for a long time. Mm-hmm. I met him when I was at Goldman Sachs. Uh, you're, Where? You're, oh, I met him at a. Um, Actually, my, my old boss, Mike Facitelli, in, in real mm-hmm. estate. Remember, mm-hmm. I was a real estate investment banker. I got fired by this guy, right. Mike Facitelli. He's very close to Trump because right. he was in real estate. Right. I met then Mr. Trump. I never called him Donald or anything like that, but I then met Mr. Trump probably in the late 90s mm-hmm. through my old boss from the real estate department. Mm-hmm. I had read the order of the deal. He was a larger-than-life figure here in New York when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be very candid with you. At that point, I was awestruck by right. meeting him. Where did you, know, you meet him, actually? Um, I have to remember this. You know, it was a restaurant. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if it was the Plaza Hotel. It was mm-hmm. somewhere up here in the Plaza District in Midtown Manhattan. Right. Uh, where, because uh, I, I remember my my boss saying, hey, I'm going to meet Donald Trump. Do you want to meet him? And of course. You I said, was like, oh, yeah, yeah I got to yeah. meet this guy, right? This yeah. guy's character. He's on right. the Howard Stern this show. Guy. Right? This I gotta guy. Right? Yeah. I got to go meet yeah. the guy, right? right? So didn't really know him. Not going to lie about that. Uh, I don't like over-exaggerating my relationships Mm. with people, Mm -hmm. but then started to see him out. I was out, socialized a little bit, Mm -hmm. went to a couple of Yankee games uh, where, you know, I'm tight with Randy Levine, the president Mm -hmm. of the Yankees. He was in the box with me. You know, the, Chit- the New York box. Chitter Chatter, right? New York Chitter Chatter. He was yeah. with Regis Feldman. Mm-hmm. You know, I was there oh, with a couple Regis. of clients. You yeah. know, I mean, and and and, and the president, you know, the can, you know, Mr. Trump, that very gregarious, friendly mm-hmm. guy. And then I got to know him a lot better during the Mitt Romney campaign. Mm-hmm. And so I was, uh, you know, my politics, I'm fairly agnostic politically. I'm not really strident Republican or strident anything. Mm-hmm. If you ask me my positions, I'll tell you what they are. They don't fit either party. So I could never run for anything because the Democrats would shell me on my economic views and the Republicans would shell me on my social right. progressive views. Well, you're views. the old-time Republicans, the old New York Republicans. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. People say that I'm a Rockefeller Republican, but I don't really even see myself as that because— I'm like way to the left on social stuff. I mean, yeah, but we, they would have we, gotten there if it was you, today. Yeah, you know? but I mean, listen. Yeah. At the end of the day, we. I mean, there's one thing that's another axiomatic fact. Mm-hmm. My 54 year observation mm-hmm. of the planet: there are no equal outcomes. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can't systematize them. You can't politicize them. 
you can read the Communist Manifesto, you can believe in socialism, you can say whatever you want, but you're not going to have an equal outcome because people are uneven. Mm -hmm. uh, what a society has to provide is as much equal opportunity as possible. Right. But I'm telling you right now, oh, no. people rise and no fall. Matter, yeah, but no yeah. matter how you politicize it, you're not going to have equal outcomes. And yeah. so, so for me, uh, when I step back and look at this stuff, whether you're black, white, uh, whatever your sexual orientation is, whatever your family of origin is, um, let's try to level out the playing field and let people live under the theory of life, liberty, well, that and the pursuit would be of nice, happiness. Anthony, but it yeah. doesn't happen that way. Does, it doesn't happen that way. And, and it probably won't happen that way because uh, primordially we're set up for tribalism. Primordially we're set up for that. So, really? so you don't think we are? I think we are, and we have to resist it. Primarily, we're set up for dragging our knuckles along the ground, but it we have to mean. transcend it, right? We exactly. Have to it. So, what would that? So, so you're set up that way, but you can transcend it. That's your humanity, right? I mean, you're right. You're you're in you're in a uh, you're in a piece of machinery that hasn't evolved in probably a half a million years. And so, you know, your phone got upgraded nine times mm -hmm. since they started them in 2007 that or 8. Wouldn't be nice if you could upgrade people? You can't, you can't upgrade. You don't have a software yes. upgrade. So you have primordial instincts. You have atavistic so, instincts. But you can transcend them. Okay, but back on this point, yeah. I'm now with Trump. It's 2012. Right. We're doing fundraisers in his triplex apartment. And I'm developing a relationship with him and his team. Mm -hmm. And I, now i got a rapport with him. You know, mm -hmm. now I'm, you know, I'm seeing them. I go to lunch right. with them. I go to breakfast with them. We'll talk, blah, blah. And then the day after The Apprentice, whatever that day may be, can't remember it, but you could Google it. I'm in his office having breakfast with him. And he says, you know, that was it. It was just, it was great. My ratings were great, weren't they? I'm, yeah. I'm the man. And I'm listening to him and I'm laughing, right? And, you know, because he knows how to make you laugh. Mm -hmm. And then he says, oh, well, that's it. I'm running for president. No, mm -hmm. I laugh. I say, mm -hmm. you're not running for president. No, 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 I'm running for president. I hired this guy, Corey Lewandowski. I've got this guy, Roger Stone. I've got this guy, Sam Nunberg. They're down on the what fifth floor. Crew. We're running for president. Right. I've got Hope Hicks. And I didn't know any of these people. And right. I laughed at him. I said, you're not running for president. I said, let me tell you. I said, this is a great publicity stunt. I get mm -hmm. where you're going. I said, you're at 2% of the polls. He goes, yeah, I, I, I watch Fox too. I'm at 2% I'm at of the polls because people are like you. Mm -hmm. They think I'm not running for president, but I'm really running for president. I'm done with this stuff. I'm 68, 69 years old, whatever he said, and I'm running for president. I said, listen, you're not running for president. I said, number one, I been to your apartment. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You got 19,000 square feet here mm -hmm. in midtown Manhattan. You're not going to live in 6,000 square feet in the White House residence. <laughs> you're just not going to do it. Uh -huh. No, no, no. I'm running for president. Mm -hmm. I said, I've been on your plane. Your plane is absolutely gorgeous. The plane's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're not going to carry the press around on Air Force One everywhere mm -hmm. you go. He said, no, no, no. The country's a mess. I'm going to fix the problems. I'm running for president. He said, hey, you're, you're halfway good on TV. I'd want you to help me. You don't have to raise me any money, by the way. I want right. you to help me. I said, okay. I said, Mr. Trump, I'm already tied into Scott. you work for Mitt Romney. You were working for Mitt Romney. Look, I got a very eclectic political background. Right. I, I bundled for Barack Obama. Right. I went to right. law school right. with President Obama. And so right. I, I, I wrote him checks, bundled for him, and voted for him. Right. First so, time. So I work, I work for Governor Romney. Second time I returned to my Republican roots. I didn't like the president's position on a lot of the uh, the business stuff and the excess mm -hmm. regulation. Really hurts, cripples uh, small businesses' excess regulation. Right. So I go back to my Republican roots. I work for Romney. Romney gets beaten. No surprise there because a rising economy, very hard to beat a sitting president, which right. is why Trump will get reelected. So we'll go, go back to, to the president now. He then says, well, you're with Scott Walker. Okay, after I kill Scott Walker, you're going to come work for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I can't really do that. I got my and clients. You're with Scott with Walker, the most like 
gutting all kinds of things that you probably believed in if you were backing Obama. Okay, but you got to study Scott. Okay. Okay, because you have to understand he's in a very blue state. Mm -hmm. And here's what happened. No longer. Well, we'll Tammy Baldwin's the last holdout. But here, here, here's what happens, okay? Mm-hmm. And I really believe mm-hmm. this because it's happened to me. The, the media uses a prism mm-hmm. and then a kaleidoscope. Okay. And so here's what happens is they make a decision on the candidate or mm-hmm. the person, and they say, okay, let me get through this prism. We've got to alter the light structure around this mm-hmm. person because we really we, – we, wait a minute. This guy could be effective, and he may not have my ideology, so let me warp the light. Oh, shit. That's not really working – let me use a kaleidoscope now to change the whole landscape on mm-hmm. the guy. So Study Walker, he's built a large rainy day fund. He did a uh, tremendous amount of educational reform in the system. The system's actually working better. All he was calling for, and no one wants to give him credit for this, was union accountability. Now, you'll mm-hmm. bring somebody on and they'll, they'll say all kinds of stuff related to politics and the polemics of politics and the union people will want to hit me with in with a stone and they'll they'll inflate a rat outside my office whatever right. I don't really care. Your dad was in the union, correct? My dad was in the union. I am a union guy. Right. I have no problem with unions. But 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 his union, let me tell you something, they were accountable to each other. Mm-hmm. So what I'm not in favor of is we're all sitting here at this table and we're in the union together and you decide because you're in the union, you're not going to work. Mm-hmm. You decide that, hey, I'm not going to get up this morning and teach these kids. Or, hey, you know what? I'm cool sitting in a rubber room. Mm-hmm. I don't need to teach the kids. My union is going to protect me come hell or high water. I'm not for that. Okay, I get the virtue of a union. I get the structure of capitalism and the need for labor to unionize so they can get their share of the economic rent Mm -hmm. and create economic progress. I totally understand all that. But just like capitalists can run amok and they can environmentally pollute the system, which they shouldn't be doing, or they can pay themselves too much at the top and not pay their employees enough at the bottom to let the social contract work properly, Mm -hmm. unions can also run amok and they can provide a lack of accountability for their union members in an effort to protect everybody. Okay, Okay. so we can debate all this stuff. It's not even a matter. I'm with Walker. Walker's very funny, by the way. He says, I got I to drop out of the race before Trump nicknames me. Okay, I don't mm-hmm. know if I could handle <laughs> the nickname. Right? So, so I say to him, I, well, I got to go with Jeb after Walker because my clients are with Jeb. Mm-hmm. Okay, after I kill Walker and Jeb, are you going to come with me? I said, you know what? If you're in the race, if you're really serious, right. you're a New Yorker, I'm a New Yorker, I'll come with you. Right. South Carolina primary is over. I get a call from him. I go to his office and I say, okay, here's my list of people we can raise money from. I'm ready to help you. And then something very bizarre and very accidental and improbable happens. The entire Republican establishment evacuates from the campaign and they sign these petitions of being never Trumpers. Right. And so the ridiculous part of my story is I'm a pragmatic business person. I've written checks to Chuck Schumer. Mm-hmm. I've written checks to Senator Hillary Clinton. I'm now working for Donald J. Trump for president. And the I'm Republican pro- Party leaves. I'm sorry? And the Republican Party leaves. The Re- Republican Party evacuates. Okay, mm-hmm. so what would have happened if Jeb got the nomination? I would have been a lowly, check-writing, rich dude from New York, mm-hmm. and no one would have paid any attention to me nor cared about me. Mm-hmm. But because of the supply evacuation of labor, talent, policymakers, mm-hmm. television advocates— they leave, 
I get sucked up into the vortex of that, right? right. I want to help the guy win. So I'm on TV for him, advocating for him. I'm, uh, I'm campaigning for him. I'm raising money for him. And despite the Liar and Furious book, which I call Liar and Furious because <laughs> Wolf is a liar and Bannon's furious, you know, I was there the whole way. You know, and by the way, you know this because you know I'm Italian, okay? You think I would back down in a fight? Mm-hmm. The guy has the Access Hollywood fiasco. That weekend, I was out on Twitter supporting him. That next week, I Sorry, hosted— Sorry, I have to stop you. Come on. Yeah. That was a—talk about the fiasco. Well, about well you heard fiasco? it, yeah. Hold on a second. Don't do locker room talk at me. Ho- ho- hold All on right. a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm a New Yorker. All right. Okay. You're a New Yorker. Yes, I am. Okay. You never heard talk like that before? Mm, I guess not from not from certain people. I do, I do, I do expect okay. a heavier oh, level okay. of decorum. Okay, well, okay, I do, I do. Okay, he's a hilarious guy. He's saying something really stupid. Uh, he's playing for a laugh. He's got a hot mic on. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the way, I have said so many stupid things in my life, and some of them in the look. I made I've made probably ten phone books of mistakes in my life. At least three phone books of mistakes in eleven days right. inside the White House. So. Right. I'm not going to sit there and judge the guy. He said, he said something regretful. He apologized for it. Let's sort move of. on. Sort of apologized. Yeah, no, let me tell you, I was there. He, 11:58 at the Trump Tower mm-hmm. studio. He offered an apology. He looked, he looked pretty upset with himself at that moment. Mm-hmm. But, but whatever, and we can talk about that. Right. But, but you know, so you it, stuck the, with him. I mean, that when the, the Republican Michael Party Wolf went away. said that I left because that's Steve Bannon's narrative. Because Steve now hates me, which is totally fine. But the facts don't say that. Look at the videotape days after I was on television. Mm-hmm. Look at my social media feed. I was out supporting him that Friday so night. So why did you keep supporting him? Well, I'm playing to win. Mm-hmm. You thought he was going to – what was the reason you well, thought he was going to I didn't know gonna... if he was going to win or not win at that point. I thought we had a very good chance coming out of the convention. Anybody that's telling you on October 10th, three days after the Access Hollywood fiasco, mm-hmm. that we were going to win – uh, is smoking their own crack pipe, okay? Really? I thought after, he was going to win. You thought he was going to win after the Access Hollywood yeah, tape? Yeah, because I think okay. people knew that about him, one, and that a lot of women okay. had, had men like that. Okay, well, and the good news for you, you were probably distant enough from it and could look at it more in a macro way. I didn't think people probably, didn't care. I was probably too close to it. Not, I thought they should care, but they didn't. Okay. I, yeah, I don't think they should care, by the way. I mean, I don't care about it. I, I, mean, in I France, guess they, they mind your own business. It won't be mine. We don't live in, in France. So. Yeah, I, yeah, we don't live in France. But you know what? Maybe there's some elements of France we should probably adopt. At the end of the day, who cares? Freedom fries. Let me tell you something, okay? This is I tell my, my Republican friends. Okay, you guys are for a smaller government in every aspect of my life except my bedroom. You want a larger government in my bedroom. You want me to tell me who my lovers should mm-hmm. be and uh, the positions I should have sexually, okay? Why don't you guys get out of my bedroom, okay? And, and I feel that way about our public leaders. And, and our per, uh, if the guy's got the right policies or she has the right policies, uh, who cares? Mm-hmm. I don't care about their personal lives. Uh, that's just me. So let's move on. So now I'm supporting them. We're working together. Uh, it looks like we're going to lose. Then it looks like we're going to win. And then you got to give this SOB credit. He doesn't leave. He's a tenacious fighter. He's in St. Louis for that debate. He's in Las Vegas for the next debate. The polls tighten. Remember, Paul Ryan wants him out. Ryan's Priebus wants him out. You're going to lose. Drop off the ticket. Uh, and so here's what happens. The Republican establishment basically doesn't like him. No. You know, and, and you know, I'm not saying something that isn't true, so I'll be in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. So, so now he wins. He wins. We're sitting around. He wins. 
And then the process begins. He names me to the executive transition team. Mike Wolf says, I'm not doing anything at the transition. I don't know. I'm interviewing hundreds of people for jobs. Mm -hmm. We set up this whole Tiger team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Jason Miller, who's going to be the comms director, he says, okay, Ant, we need you to go downstairs to the studio a couple days, a couple times a day, and we need you out there on these different shows and telling people who we're picking and how we're picking. And so I become one of the transition media advocates. Mm -hmm. And then they offer me the OPL position, Mm -hmm. which is basically to be the president's networker in chief to help him grow a robust uh, CEO community, small mm-hmm. businesses, medium businesses, right. large businesses, also intergovernmental affairs. Uh, that's fits my, that's in my wheelhouse mm-hmm. way more, frankly, than being a comms director. So, okay, I'm going to do that. I get offered the job. I put my 12-year-old company uh, and my 70 up employees sale. up for sale because I have to. I have to dislodge myself. So you have to think about how stupid I am, right? I view myself as a patriot. I view myself as somebody that has had this unbelievable life in America. Mm -hmm. And I want people who grew up similarly to me to have those same opportunities because we've moved from the aspirational working class into the desperational working class. Yeah, if you really travel the country. No, I get it. We've gone from aspirational to desperational. We have to return to aspirational. And if I've got an opportunity to affect policy to help that, I'm going to sell my company provided I can protect my employees and protect all the people in this room who, by the way, I was gone from the company for a year and they've done an amazing job, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I want to protect them. Um, and so I've got four bids. I take the second highest bid. It's from a Chinese conglomerate. They're a Fortune 50 company. Why do I take a $14 million lower bid than the other bid? Because they're going to keep the jobs. Uh, the, the American-based company already has a capital management firm mm-hmm. and you know private equity and fund of funds. They really want the fund and a few of our asset managers. They don't really need the apparatus associated mm-hmm. with the, the asset managers. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't want to do that to my staff. I'm not going to do that. They helped me build this company over the last 13 years. You know, I take care of everybody here. I pay everybody 100% of their health care. So but you don't sell. You end up not selling. No, I sold. Yeah. No, sold. I sold. You sold. I sold to go serve the right. government. Right. The uh, Rancid, uh, uh, Priebus, and mm-hmm. Adolf Bannon, they don't <laughs> want me in the position. So they, they be- begin this narrative, this oppositional research narrative, mm-hmm. China, China, China. They tell several lies about me to the president. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm not allowed to take the OPL job, mm-hmm. and they're using all of these falsehoods as a reason why. Right. So I'm in a limbo now, and I catch Rice uh, lying, and so then I have to point out to people what a liar he is. Mm-hmm. And then the president and I have a couple conversations. He realizes now that he doesn't like them, mm-hmm. and then he brings me in, and then the fun starts for me. Yeah. I have the 11-day odyssey. <laughs> 12, I get, 10, 10 or 11? No, it was 11. Come 11 on, what's 11 I don't you, know. I, you can decide how long a mooch is. A don't, mooch is a mooch is eleven days. Don't okay. hurt my feelings okay? right. because if you have J- July twenty first yeah. to July thirty first, yeah. you say okay, that's ten days. Right. But I was there for July twenty first. Okay, all right, okay. And I was there right. for July thirty first. Right. It's eleven days. Eleven days. Don't hurt my all feelings. Right. The new change in so the time nine, of a mooch. It's nine hundred and fifty four seconds, <laughs> four thousand seconds, if all you right. were counting the seconds, which you did. It's fine. We're here with Anthony Scaramucci. When we get back, we're going to talk about I don't know everything. Today's show is brought to you by Blue Bottle Coffee. This time of year, the mantra is out with the old and in with the new. So it's a perfect time to upgrade your coffee routine. Blue Bottle Coffee delivers the most delicious coffee in the world right to your door. Your Blue Bottle Coffee is roasted and shipped to your home within 48 hours of placing your order so the beans arrive at peak freshness. 
There's coffee and then there's Blue Bottle. They search the planet far and wide to secure exclusive relationships with independent growers all over the world. And if you don't know what flavor you want to order, no worries. Take Blue Bottle's Coffee Match Quiz to find out the perfect coffee just for you. Hurry to bluebottlecoffee.com slash decode for $10 off your first coffee subscription order. That's bluebottlecoffee.com slash decode. Remember, out with the old, in with the new. It's time to try the most delicious coffee in the world. So go to bluebottlecoffee.com slash decode. I'd also like to tell you about one of our other podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who'd you talk to this week? Hey, Kara. I will tell you who I talked to this week. I talked to Jason Blum, the really, 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 really interesting and dynamic and fun to talk to Hollywood producer who made Get Out and many other movies. And Ben Rubin, who's also dynamic and fun. He made Meerkat, the once super hot startup before Twitter kneecapped it. And House Party, the very popular chat app. He came just to hang out in my hotel room and drink a beer and talk about what it's like to pivot your business with some degree of success. It's a good conversation. You will like it. Sounds great, Peter. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back with Anthony Scaramucci. We're talking about Trump. We're talking about tech. We're talking about all kinds of things. What did you think you were going to do there? What was your... You came in guns blazing, essentially. I came in as a, uh, I came in as, I don't know, Washington. I came in right. as a, uh, a, a CEO. I came in as an entrepreneur. Right. I didn't come in as a slick political operative. Right. So right. president said, I got to get rid of the leakers. Right. Okay. I'm going to get rid of the leakers. Good luck with that. Same way I'm going to clean out a, a place here. Or mm-hmm. You rip up a culture, you right. know. When you say good luck with it, I, I had him on the run. I did. The president's oh, no. kind of a leaker, it seems like to me. Well, okay. I'm pretty you, good at reading oh, who oh, the leaks okay, are coming okay. from. Okay. Carol, let me let me say this, okay? You're always going to have leaks from the White House, and you're always going to have leaks in a political system. Yes, and in some ways, leaks could be policy related, and mm-hmm. they could be beneficial. Right. I'm talking about the internecine warfare leaks, right. the nastiness, right. the level of disharmony that was going mm-hmm. on, the personal invective. Right. This guy's having an affair. That guy's a drunk. This right. you know, this guy's a globalist. That guy's a nationalist. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the whisper. Versus the terrible, policy leaks. Terrible okay. leaks. Right. You're never going to get rid of the other leaks. I had those guys on the run. By the way, when I got fired, the irony of the whole thing was they were so scared to leak the damn thing, it didn't get it didn't get out there until 2 o'clock. I got fired <laughs> at 9.37. I had those guys on the run, trust me. Okay. I had another 10 days, would have fired a couple more people, right. and I would have stopped the firing like a good CEO. Mm-hmm. I would have given amnesty and pardon to everybody else in the room. I said, okay, this is how Warning. the culture— I'm and sorry? it's a warning. Like. Yeah, this is how the culture is going to work now. Right. Okay, we're not going to leak on the president. We're going to support the president's agenda. We're going to stay loyal. You RNC, never Trumper people that are sitting in the room, and you always Trumper people. We're going to meld the process together. We're going to get it together. We're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you're never going to have to lie for me because mm-hmm. I'm not a liar, right. and you don't have to worry about me. You know, I'm never going to have you have to go to the press corps and make up a timeline or right. do any of the nonsense that these people do. I don't, I don't care. Right. I'm never going to dishonor my parents by being like that. So right. good news for you guys is you can relax. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest gifts that a leader can give people that are working with him, remember, no one's ever worked for me. People work with me. Right. The greatest gift you can give somebody is to relax on the ethics, meaning 
I only expect you to be 100% ethical. I never want you to even touch the line. And yet you're Go, working at the White House. It's not, it doesn't feel like an ethical place at any point, I have to say. All right. Well, that's your opinion. Yeah. Okay. I, well, from I, the outside. I don't okay. So, so that's your opinion. Yeah. So I, and by the way, the area that I was going to be responsible for mm-hmm. is the only one I could control. Right. Sure. Okay. So, so me, I would work on that first. And then obviously if I had different roles inside mm-hmm. the White House, I'd work on the other sure. other things as well. But I'm saying you're but, describing somewhere where everybody's not stabbing you in the back or front yeah, or whatever. A, it, yeah, well, I'm a front stabber, but there's a lot of backstabbers. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm a front these are stabber. Terrible, these are terrible people. By uh-huh. and large, they are vicious people. You probably have a lot of Silicon Valley people. Yes. I'm a Wall Streeter. Let me tell you how it works in Silicon Valley and Wall Street, my observation. You build your business and you build your career Mm -hmm. off of relationships. Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to create like a big karma bank. I'm trying to do a mitzvah Mm -hmm. for you. You're going to do one for me. We build a relationship. I'm totally cool with you making $100 million. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you don't mind me making it. We're all fine, okay? We may be competitors once in a while, but we're both on the green team. We're transacting over money. In Washington, they actually get off on hurting each other. Mm -hmm. They actually earn badges or stripes on their lapel Mm -hmm. if they hurt somebody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I crushed Swisher. Mm -hmm. I went after her with uh, opposition research. I had 10 reporters write nasty things about her, Mm -hmm. and she fell from grace. Look at me. Look how cool I am. Mm -hmm. Look how important I am. Right. And they do that to each other. Right. And they know that they're doing it to each other. And they admire it from each other. Right. But Trump okay. did bring them in, as you, you know, all these No, 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 no. Time out a second. Time out a second. Who you got to be fair. Them? You got to be fair. Okay. It's been going on like that for 50 years. Of course, years. of course. Okay, but I mean, I'm saying I mean, he didn't yeah. change that in particular. No, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't change it because he's a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. He descends on the area. And he he missizes the area, if he's mm-hmm. going to be honest with himself. He mm-hmm. missizes. That's why... He's a classic entrepreneur now. That's why he's making so many changes. Right. Because he has to. Uh, entrepreneurs have to go through heavy turnover. You know that from Silicon mm-hmm. Valley. You can't get the culture and the personnel right day one. You start flipping cards mm-hmm. and building a r- different rotisserie This team. is a lot of turnover, even for a start. A lot of, a lot of turnover. Oh, the Google guys, they stayed together forever. Facebook, the same executive and, 10 but years. But that's why they're Google and Facebook. Right. Okay, But there are other companies that are smaller or maybe not as successful that had heavy turnover in the beginning, right. but are still decent companies. Yeah, but we you want can, more than a decent company from our can, president, presumably. Um, you got to get the you got to get the personalities right. If you right, don't have the personalities right, you're not so going to get. What do you you're think? Not gonna, you're not going to have. What, a, what do you imagine these people sort of long knives? Like, there's you? like five or six things did me in myself. I did mm-hmm. myself in With that phone call. So give yeah that phone call. Trusted the guy made a mistake there, so I have to own that. So I would say I did myself in. I think my first press conference did me in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw my first. I did. I, I was fascinated by it. Okay, but I think that did me in. Because? It's too honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, not uh, not slick enough political operative, mm-hmm. not spinning enough, just talking mm-hmm. very straight to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that the knives were going to come out for me for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president uh, putting in the memo that I was reporting to him mm-hmm. directly, yeah. that had a factor in it. Because? Well, because if you're, John, you if you're John Kelly... And the president's got you reporting to him directly, and you just come in as the chief of staff. First thing you do is remove the guys that are reporting directly right, to the president. Right, right. but that makes well, sense. Well, makes what, sense. I, don't, I never, I never right. had a bad thing to say about John Kelly as a result of him firing me. God right. bless him. He had the right to do that, and I took it like a man. Mm-hmm. You're asking me what I think did me in. 
Then the other thing that did me in was I got hired to be a hatchet man. Mm-hmm. So when you get hired to get a, be a hatchet man, the knives come out for you as well. Right. I told Steve Colbert that I thought I would make it longer than a carton of milk in his refrigerator, <laughs> but I, I didn't think I was going to make it that long. Right. right. You know, I, I, was, I was smart enough to know that that was a 30, 60, possibly 90-day job for me. I didn't right. think it... I didn't see it as being an everlasting job. Or but you else. pulled down Rents Priebus with you. I mean, it, you, you, you feel well, he like— had he, to be, he had to be fired mm-hmm. uh, because he was the biggest leaker in the system. He's a very dishonest guy, unbelievably insecure. Uh, he had to be fired. I mean, he was doing so much damage to the president, and, and also he wasn't staffing positions. And, you know, if you were a never-Trumper, he'd put you in a position. If you'd like Trump, he would find a way to block you. You know, he was a— he was a disaster. But, I mean, look, I mean, look, I would love to debate him on live television. Mm-hmm. I would love to debate him in a He's live not forum. Do that. Yeah. He can't do no, that. he can't do that. Uh, what about Bannon? Bannon's a different guy. I mean, he's a very smart guy. Very. He's intellectually sound from the point of view that he's very well read. He has a philosophical and political point of view. Uh, before, for all of his railing, on the system, he's actually a cuck of the mm-hmm. system. He is a— <laughs> Let's explain that term. Okay. So he's a cuck, you know, meaning like he's yes. a hypocrite. You know, yes. he's like— Cuckold. He's it's cuck- an alt-right Exactly. Term. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. He's actually a cuck of the system. Mm-hmm. So he went to Harvard Business School. He worked at Goldman Sachs. Mm-hmm. He was a Hollywood producer. He worked in Washington. He did check a lot of elite okay, boxes. He is a— Affing elitist. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all of this nonsense about him not being an elitist, and mm-hmm. you know, he, he dresses like a you know a hobo, mm-hmm. but I mean he's a he's an elitist. Okay, and so but what he's what he is is also he's got this uh, messianic complex about himself where he thinks he has the answer and others do not. Yeah. And so when you're a messianic figure like that, you do things that I said. You focus on your own brand. Mm-hmm. Care only about your personality. It's your way or the highway. You don't play well in the sandbox with others unless they're playing and building your sandcastle. Right. And so, you know, he's a human walking disaster. And so, is also his political philosophy. He's now at least admitting that he's a racist. I mean, he's mm-hmm. openly admitting that he's a racist, which, uh, you know, it's absolutely disgusting. What's the attraction okay. to, to him by Trump then? Well, I think it's more complicated than that. I think, uh, you know, Michael Wolff didn't get that right. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're struggling uh, in August. The Republican establishment is evacuated. It's August of 2016. We're at Woody Johnson's house now, the ambassador to Great Britain. Mm-hmm. The Mercer family is there. Uh, they're, they're trying to figure out if they're going to engage with then-candidate Trump. They had left the Cruz situation. Mm-hmm. The pre- he's now the declared mm-hmm. uh, nominee. Uh, they put $5 million into the pack, and they recommend Steve Bannon and Kellyanne Conway to the campaign. Mm-hmm. So they join mid-August the campaign. And so uh, I think the president or then the candidate said, okay, listen, I need to shuffle the deck here. Um, so he took those guys on. And then where I think the president has an issue with Bannon is that the president was already well ahead of Bannon on the desperational working class. The president was already ahead of Bannon on what the issues were for the core labor force of America and what the anxiety was. Bannon may have been there as well, but the president's point, I think, is the right one. He beat 17 or 18 candidates, and now he's going neck and neck with Secretary Clinton. And so Bannon was trying to take all the credit for that. He had this guy, uh, Josh from Bloomberg, write the devil's bargain. Uh, Trump's my hand puppet. Then he figures I'm going to use Michael Wolff as my coming out party. Mm -hmm. Trump's the empty vessel. I'm the genius. 
all of the stuff was nonsensical. The guy needed to be removed. But but when you say what was the attraction, Trump's an entrepreneur. The attraction was I needed something right then and there to help me. Mm-hmm. So he brought those players in. And then you can like this about Trump or dislike this. He then felt uh, that uh, he felt an obligation to ban an end Priebus because of their roles inside the campaign. And so he wanted to reward them with, mm-hmm. with uh, high-profile jobs. So- that was a mistake because those guys had, didn't care about him. They, right. they cared about themselves. So what about now? It feels cha- – he's talked about it. I, I like it chaotic. This is the way I like it. Is, is that a problem from your perspective? Yeah, I, from my perspective, it isn't because it I'm crazy a, from the outside. You yeah, know but, that. But, it doesn't – just a little bit crazy, it seems. Yeah, but it's not, it's not crazy and it's Oh, it's not, a – come on. Every day it's a different thing. Okay, I feel so like I can't gonna, get in the shower without, oh, like, something oh, happening. Okay, so turn the, turn the news off. Okay, okay. the guy's got – Economy's growing, wages are up. Uh, he's not calling for massive deregulation because he's too smart for that. He's talking for uh, getting it to the middle well, of the pendulum. Well, business likes business yeah, likes the, the, the Dodd Frank things about to go. It's well, Dodd Frank's mo- being modified. No. So you have to remember, you have to accept some level of banking failure if you want the economy to grow. You don't want to look again. Another axiomatic mm-hmm. fact: life is unsafe. Mm-hmm. If you want the government to make you safest then you're going to be living in a society that doesn't grow and you're going to live in a society that restricts animal spirits. You don't mm-hmm. want that. Mm-hmm. You're an entrepreneur. You live in Silicon Valley, right, or wherever you live. You you don't want that. You have to have people's equity at risk in the community banking system. And you have to allow some community banks to potentially fail as long as you don't have systemic banking failure. Right. Okay, so you can't over-regulate the system, then you won't be able to grow, and you will lose the wage growth opportunity. All right, so keep going businesses. on the why it's not chaotic. Why? No, I didn't say economy. it wasn't chaotic. All right. I, said, well, I said why it's acceptable. Right. No, I didn't say it wasn't chaotic. It's chaotic. Right. So but wh- it's acceptable because of his the nature of his personality is he's an entrepreneur. He tried to fix or drain the swamp using cesspool operators and swamp creatures. Mm-hmm. You can't bring Steve Bannon, who's ironically railing on the swamp, but is actually the creature from the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. into the situation to drain the swamp. He's going to add more sewage to the swamp. You mm-hmm. can't bring... But that's Ryan's- precisely what he did. That's what the president did, he, if you're saying that. Yeah, well, that was a mistake. Right. So he had a, he, he's changing the personnel. Right. Uh, but okay, it's not just me, them; but, it's but, the but global elitists are leaving let's too. Get, let's Gary, give, let's, uh, let's Dina. give the president. Let's give right. the president a little bit of credit, right? right. If you're building a building, you're going to hire people that can build the building. Sure, got it. If you're building a golf course, you're going to hire people to build a golf course. So he says, "Okay, I'm going into government. Let me hire some people that are experienced hands in the government. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want to do to the change the government." They're like, "Well, no, 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 no. no. We like that system. Mm-hmm. That's our business model." Right. So he hired people. Said, "Okay, help me drain the swamp," and they're like, "No, no, 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 no. We're not draining the swamp." We're here forever. You're going to be here for four years, possibly eight years. Mm-hmm. We're going to add more sewage to the swamp. You know, we're going to turn the swamp into a gold-plated hot tub on you. We don't want to drain the swamp. Right. So he's figured that out now, and now he's got to he's got to change. But it's not the mix. just that group; it's the other group. The two. It seemed like there were two competing groups in the White House. And then Gary, Dina, all the others. Dina well, Powell, I think they, Gary Cohen. I think they. I think they left for different reasons. You'd have to ask them why they mm-hmm. left. Okay, but but I think they left for different reasons. But I think listen. Good news is the changes that the president's making now, mm-hmm. my prediction is this takes me back to June of 1982 when Ronald Reagan made some personnel shifts. He fired Al Haig. He did a couple other things on the margin, and then he got the team tighter and better. It was after mm-hmm. his assassination attempt probably a year, mm-hmm. and things were – and then from June of 82 
the president did way better. The bad news for the president uh, in June of 82, it was too late, and he got schmeisted in the midterm elections mm-hmm. in 1982. Yep. So, um, so the, did the, Obama. So did, so did Obama. So did George W. Bush mm-hmm. in 06. I mean, you can name – this is just what happens. This is what happens in our system. So the president has a chance to keep the House, but he's got to – they got to engage quickly. They got to build a political operation above and beyond what they have right now. Right. Otherwise, you got 23 seats in jeopardy, and it'll lose the house. Well, what about a White House operation? I mean, some of these appointments that he makes do seem crazy. The the FAA guy, the the 24 year old that was running a big these things. Is it, is it a why does that happen? What occurs in that administration where you don't get many as many qualified people as you? I I. I I, I, I'm being honest. I can't answer it, but I do think some of it comes from the way Priebus set the thing up. Okay. So it was a very thick restrictor mechanism. Uh, literally, always Trumpers couldn't get jobs in the White House. Except now. Well, it's starting to happen now. But, mm-hmm. I mean, again, you know, that was the way Priebus What do you imagine it. is going to happen in the next months ahead? Good things. You know, okay. He'll, look. Again, you may not like him, but I'm just letting you know, he ran a very successful business. The business went into bankruptcy or almost bankruptcy, and he rebuilt it. Uh, He ran a very successful television program. I think it was on the air for 12 or 15 years. He went from zero political experience to the American presidency in 17 short months. So, I mean, the guy is talented. We, you, know, you have to step back and look at it. He's talented. Mm-hmm. So he'll figure this out. He'll, he'll shift the personnel mix. Uh, the seven or eight people that will go, mm-hmm. that are about to go, and he replaces them well, with people that Well, what's this week? Are, it was Tillerson. Mattis is probably going. That's, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Right. But there's a lot. There's a lot of I think shit. Mattis is going. I don't think Mattis is going. You don't. Well, that's, I'm just saying. I just was reading it. Yeah, I don't know, but we'll see. All right. So, but you feel like there's going to be a stability because it feels constantly unstable, or is that just no? Just I think I think I think there will be once he gets the personnel around him that are philosophically in sync with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, once he gets people around him, this would be a good test for him. Uh, they're in your presence and they're being obsequious, and then they leave and they run to their Georgetown salons and they snicker about you. Mm-hmm. I think you got to get people in the room that are honest to you in your presence, mm-hmm. and then when they leave, they back you up that they're loyal. Right, okay. okay. So I mean, who- Even Lion Ryan Lizza, he couldn't, you know, he wrote in his article <laughs> yeah. that I've never said a bad thing about the guy. No, but I think he probably quoted you pretty accurately in that conversation, yes or no, or not, the conversation. No, 100%. I, I right. never walked back to anything I said. Right. But he had to admit that I'm not one of these dudes. Oh, I don't think he ever said that. Came, no, he literally explicitly said, hey, in fairness to Anthony Scaramucci, the guy doesn't say anything bad about the president. Right, right. And nor will I Did, ever because I like the guy. What if things you disagreed with just don't say them? You disagree on gay issues, for example. It's got to be, it's well, appalling. I don't even know if I disagree thing. on gay issues. You probably have to ask him directly. I think he's a New Yorker when it comes to gay issues. Except but for I'm, some of the, oh, these rollbacks I, are clear. That's, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm okay. Well, you, you, you may know it better than yeah. me. I, these so rollbacks are obvious. But I, but if you're a supporter of gay about, rights, you can't like this. Let's talk about the press for a second. Okay. okay so I, I think is you can be loyal to the president mm-hmm. and you can disagree on tactics and strategy. Okay. I mean, I think if you're going to. tactics and strategies are people's lives. If you're going to have, if you're going to have real, you can have real friends. Mm-hmm. Real friends tell you that you have a booger in your nose. Mm-hmm. Real friends tell you that you have bad breath. And mm-hmm. real friends tell you you have food in your teeth. Mm-hmm. But they're still your friends. They still love you. They want you to do well, right? So for me, the war declaration on the media is nonsensical. Uh, Steve Bannon declared war on the media at CPAC Trump last year. Trump seems to be enjoying it quite a bit. It's a, it's a mistake. 
Mm-hmm. So I, 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 and what is I'm his loyal response to the president and I'm supportive of the president, right. but that is a mistake. You're making a mistake with a war declaration on the media because, number one, you're not going to win that war. Number two, you're not picking the right battle. Number three, it's okay to have an adversarial relationship with the media. But uh, if you understand your role, you have to be cross-checked and hand-checked by the media because the founders said we don't want anybody too power-hungry to get these positions because we know that power corrupts absolutely, like Mm -hmm. Lord Acton said. Mm -hmm. And so the fourth estate's responsibility is to hand-check the people that are in power. How do you judge the press's performance in this? With the media? Mm -hmm. With the president. In in this administration. In what category? How do you think they're doing? Yeah. Okay, well, you see, that's the irony. So so the overall grade is actually— For the press. For the press, no, very bad. Because? I would say say his overall grade as it relates to policy and the country's moving again and we're growing and there's a lot more opportunity and there's less slack in the employment markets and there's a higher quality job coming for the average worker. Those things are all very, very positive. That's why he's going to win re-election. But there's a disconnect— because of what I said, the prism and the kaleidoscope, mm-hmm. there's a disconnect between how well he's doing and how the media well, is reporting. <laughs> right, right. But it is true. But All it's right. his fault. Look at the, the recent well, election. It's, his, can, fa- it's right. his fault. It's his fault. It's his fault because you can't declare war on the media. The fact that he hasn't had a CNN interview, a major network television interview, or uh, you pick, I don't know, let's say MSNBC. Pick mm-hmm. an adversarial or a perceived adversarial network mm-hmm. or news organization. The fact that he's not in there with the, let me tell you something, this guy's got a force of personality. Mm-hmm. During the campaign, he was on Morning Joe. Right. During the campaign, he well, was that, on that these. Seemed, that bridge seems burned. Well, that, that, that bridge possibly is burned for now. But my point is, is that uh, why lose your voice? You have this force of personality. You won the American presidency. You've been in the media for most of your adult life. Mm-hmm. Uh, why lose that voice? Why lose that voice? Because Steve Bannon said— So why is he declare- doing it? He's a combative, competitive guy. He doesn't mm-hmm. like what's being written about him. Because he looks like a crazy old man shaking his I fist at the television set. I won't point. use the word fake news because mm-hmm. people obviously get upset about mm-hmm. that. But how about inaccurate news or misinformed news? It's happened to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, someone has said things about me that are categorically untrue— Please don't say those things. They say, well, we're going to say them anyway. Okay, you have to understand something. There is standards, even the New York Times versus Sullivan case. You can't maliciously say that about me. You're accusing me of, of being a felon. You're saying that I'm under investigation as a result of my role in the Russian situation, which mm-hmm. is categorically untrue. Please do not write that about me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to write it about you anyway. Okay, how is it sourced? I've got one source. Okay, could you please call Mitch McConnell's office? Mm-hmm. I'm not under Senate investigation. Can you please call Stephen Mnuchin's office? I'm not under Treasury investigation. No, we're going to write it based on the one source. Okay, well, I have a deep enough pocket, mm-hmm. and I'm a tough enough person. Well, now we're going to go to war. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so to me, it's out there, whether you like it or not, The the we're going to hit you, discolor you, uh, dehumanize you, characterize right, you, disfigure you. Right. So, so the president soar at all those mm-hmm. things. But his strategy of combating that mm-hmm. could be way more effective. Right. Uh, in addition to using Twitter and hopping over the mainstream media, he could sit in the gladiator ring with them. He's very skilled, and he can probably beat them more often than not. All right. In that vein, though, I mean, it's, it's always about the coverage and not the actual thing. 
the Charlottesville comments, the other day lying to Justin Trudeau, um, all kinds of, of various things around the gay stuff is appalling. The, the, these initial, these uh, executive orders have been. None of this is okay, problematic so I, I, I from your to, perspective? No, so I have to confess to you, I didn't see the executive orders. So whatever yeah. they were, if they were anti-gay, I would formally the, and publicly... The transgender thing is terrible. The one after but the other. I thought and they the walked back. Did they not walk... Did no, they walk back no, the transgender no, thing in the military? No. The military has. He hasn't. The military doesn't the agree mi- with him. Okay, the military doesn't agree with him. They walked it back. Right. right? The okay, military yeah, no, I don't did, agree not with the president. president on that. All right, but uh, the, so, so the anything line, that's anti, the casual Anything line. that's anti-gay, I have no problem publicly renouncing. Mm-hmm. The Charlottesville thing, you can get a look at the tape. Mm-hmm. Um, my first television appearance after my firing was on George Stephanopoulos. I said that there can be no daylight or equivocation on Nazis. So Nazis what do you are, say to – but this is the president saying this. I think in that case, again, I'm not— That was I'm not, not misunderstood. I'm not, an apolo- I'm, not, I'm not an apologist for the guy. I will tell you, I will call balls and strikes and mm-hmm. tell you where I see things. Again, people can like me or dislike me for that. But but on the on the gay thing, if it's anti-gay, I I'm totally— I'm just using that as one okay, of the Okay, I'm just saying, if it's anti-gay, I totally and wholly disagree with it unequivocally. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, I have gay family members— um, uh, you don't have to friends. have family members. Not no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I, I'm not yeah. even saying that. Right. I, I, I was supporting the gay community before I realized mm-hmm. I had gay family members. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think it's stupid, okay? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is only for straight people. That is stupid. We need to change that. I'm not using the example, but th- some of these but things saying, are so, real problems. So unequivocally denounce that. I have no problem. Charlottesville, I was on public record on national television saying that was wrong. I said it to Steve Colbert. I'm saying it now on your, your podcast. I said it to the president, and I said it on George And what does he say when you say, what are you doing? Well, he tried to walk back and say that he was trying to say that there were bad people on both sides. He malapropped and said that there there were good people on both sides. But it really doesn't matter that what matters is there can be no daylight Mm -hmm. on those things. And so what he did was classic him. He got to the podium. He flew to Washington from Bernardsville, got to the podium— and denounced everything that he said on that Saturday. And then on the Tuesday at Trump Tower, he went back to what he was saying because he was getting frustrated with the press. So, mm-hmm. so again, I mean. Guns. I'm going to do something. Then not do something. It, it just fe- gun, it feels gun, like a liar. Gun, it okay, fe- but the gun thing is. Complicated, gun, I get it. The gun, the gun thing is very complicated. Let me, let me tell you. The gun thing is very complicated. If you hate the Second Amendment and you're listening to your podcast, mm-hmm. I got bad news for you. You're always going to have a Second Amendment. If you I'm love AR, if you love actions. AR-15s and you're listening to this mm-hmm. podcast, I got really bad news for you. A couple more mass killings like mm-hmm. this, uh, you're going to have a groundswell of support. There is to, a groundswell of support. Yeah, but I mean, there's going to be an even bigger groundswell right. of support. So to me, well, I'm talking about the president himself. I would get ahead of it with legislation. But so getting that, on the air and saying you're going to do something about it and then rolling it back, that's the kind of stuff that... Is disingenuous, okay. just absolutely. Well, well, okay, but that's the problem with the political system, mm-hmm. right? Because he's trying to find the mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wears a lot of stuff on his sleeve as a New Yorker. He just says it out loud. And so he's saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to do this because that's what he's really thinking he's doing. Then he's influenced another way. I'm going to do that because that's what he's really thinking he's doing. But I do think that he'll get to the right conclusion because I think he has the uh, the support of the NRA. And I think the NRA... You know, say what you want about the NRA. They're not stupid. They know that a couple more mass killings, a couple more killings of the innocents, Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have a bigger problem than they currently have. So 
you got to get somewhere on the guns. I, I'm not a one-size-fits-all person. If you're in Montana on a ranch, you probably the gun legislation and the well, control. You don't have to debate gun you know, control, but it's. It, I'm talking about the, the messaging is really— The message—but listen, there's no way you can tell me that there isn't a intersection of values on this debate— where normal people can have a gun for recreational or protective purposes, and we can figure out a way to screen out the abnormal people. Of course, people. but I mean, there's no which way. Which is what he said reasonably. Okay, and then so there's no way that we can't do that. Now I get the NRA, one chink out of it. Once they take your rights away, mm-hmm. they're never going to get them back, and blah blah. But let me tell you something. We can figure it out. When we get back, we'll have more words of wisdom from the Mooch. Today's show is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is ready for anything that gets thrown at it. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. An intruder cuts off your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. Say they destroy your keypad or siren, Simply Safe will get you the help you need. Sure, maybe that's overkill. It certainly sounds like it. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but that's what makes Simply Safe's home security system so great. It is always ready. Simply Safe could cost an arm and a leg, but it doesn't. Instead, they only charge what's fair. 24-7 professional security monitoring is just $14.99 a month. There are no contracts and no hidden fees. Go to simplysafe.com slash decode today. That's S-I-M-P-L-I and then the word safe.com slash decode to protect your home and family today. Simplysafe.com slash decode. I also want to tell you about Too Embarrassed to Ask, my other podcast, which I host with Lauren Good from The Verge, except this week I replaced Lauren with SB Nation's editor-in-chief, Elena Bergeron. Elena, what did we talk about? We talked about March Madness, yeah, which is college basketball. Thank you. How to pick a bracket, because that's how you bet on college basketball. Yeah. And we talked about uh, sports technology and how it's changing the world. And social media, how big it's become in sports. And I still believe that we should have robots playing all sports. And Elena disagrees with me. Mm-hmm. Sure do. Okay. All right. It was a great discussion. We hope you go listen to it. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. We're here with Anthony Scaramucci at his office in Midtown Manhattan. We're talking about everything from Trump to tech to where the next election cycle is going. I'm going to finish up in two things. One, okay, your book and the yeah. elections come. You keep saying he's going to get reelected. <clears throat> yeah. Um, why? Well, I mean, just look at the data. I'm a data-dependent person. Right, just That's looking at go. this election in Pennsylvania, there's— Well, remember, midterms. Uh, George, President President Obama, Alabama. let me use President Obama's own words, mm-hmm. midterms of 2010. I got shellacked, mm-hmm. his own words. He goes on to win a resounding re-election two mm-hmm. short years later. Resounding, but pretty—none of them were— It was 53-47. Yeah, yeah. No, he, I mean, he crushed them. In the, go look at the mm-hmm. Electoral College right. vote for Obama in 2012. Right. Believe me, I was close to the situation. It wasn't so. a Reagan shall I win. Was it wasn't a Reagan. Well, I was 49. We're never going to have those again. I, I don't think so. Not yeah. in this Not in this country. Not right. with all these podcasts. Right. I mean, people, are locked, <laughs> people are locked in, man. But back then, you had uniformity to press. You, yeah. you know, you went in 49 states back yeah. then. Yeah. But uh, on him and just studying the data, going back to 1880 to today, very hard to dislodge a sitting president. Mm-hmm. A rising economy— it's virtually not happened. Uh, someone will then push back and say, well, what about Lyndon Johnson? The economy was rising. He stepped out of the race because of the Vietnam War mm-hmm. and the fear of Bobby Kennedy. Right. Okay, but if he, if he stayed in the race, people say maybe he wouldn't have won re-election. I'll cede them the mm-hmm. 1968 election. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, 
go to 1880 to today, you don't you don't get knocked out unless you got a big recession, some dramatic thing. Well, this is a special president on. in every way. I mean, he's different than everything, so, so you could have a different so outcome. So if you, this kid Connor Lamb, mm-hmm. okay, a gun-toting— A conservative Democrat. Conservative Democrat. Mm-hmm. If you told me that the Democrats mm-hmm. were going to pick a conservative Democrat— Oh, there's been that, conservative Democrats. not true. There have been I'm all sorry. over— in, the, in Pennsylvania, you mean? Or? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the—it's a 2020 nomination. Mm-hmm. You're at the Democratic National Convention, mm-hmm. and the Democratic Party picks a conservative Democrat. No, they're not. Yeah. They're not. Right. Oh, well, of course they're not. Uh, then I think they have no chance to beat them. Mm-hmm. They have no chance to beat no them. Chance. They're not going to beat them uh, with uh, because the American people are smart. They know that the left leaning strategies on the economy and things like that actually don't work. Uh, they like the social progress. Who stuff. would be a, a, someone you'd be nervous about against Trump? Um, you'd have to start naming people. I tried to get Donna Brazil to name them on the Bill Maher show. She mm-hmm. wouldn't. But you have to start naming them. There's nobody that I've heard that can beat Trump. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Nobody. Uh, he's a force of nature beyond anything. Harris, I, Booker. She's a very nice person. I met her on an on a Israel trip. Uh, mm-hmm. She's an elegant, nice person. I, I don't think she can beat him. I just, mm-hmm. number one, she doesn't have his name recognition mm-hmm. and, his, and his force of his personality. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think— Okay, so Biden's, Biden's an interesting guy. He's going to be mad at me now for this, right? Because I love Biden. And you mm-hmm. see there's a picture of me and mm-hmm. Joe at the yeah, World Economic Forum because yeah. we were supporting gay rights globally, mm-hmm. okay? And I was a big part of that with Chad Griffin. Mm-hmm. And I love Pr- Vice President Biden. But Vice President Biden fumbles the ball upon contact. Mm-hmm. So he does. I mean, he did it in the 1988 election. He did it uh, against ba- Barack Obama in 2008. Uh, he is a lovable guy from Scranton. Mm-hmm. Uh, love him to death. I have no, no problem with him as a human being. He'd probably arguably make a good president. He's way smarter than people want to give him credit for. Mm-hmm. But he fumbles the ball on contact. You can't fumble the ball on contact. This is the NFL. Right. You're going in there. You're getting hit left and right. Okay, And then people will then say, well, didn't you fumble the ball on contact? I didn't even get a chance to get I got steamrolled before I could even get the ball. Mm-hmm. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? But maybe I would have. Mm-hmm. But probably not because I'm pretty good at debating. Right. But but the, uh, the vice president— So you don't think there's a Democratic candidate that can go up against him? No. If they were smart, they would, they would say, okay, listen, we can't stand Trump. Um, and yes, I know we, we're lefter than left now. Mm-hmm. But if you want to beat this guy, we got to bring on some of the anti-Trumper Republicans. And the only way we're going to do that is we need a Connor Lamb-like mm-hmm. candidate to go after this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and you guys don't have one of those. And my prediction, and you immediately said they're never going to do that. If you had one of those, you would reject him or mm-hmm. her into yeah. the ash heap of history in two right. seconds. So you, what about the midterm elections? That could cause be tough. You're going to cost them. Going to cost them. Uh, going to be tough now. I said uh, a month ago that I thought that he could win mm-hmm. to the great surprise of people. But after this election and watching the lack of political operation and lack of apparatus mm-hmm. that was deployed in PA 18, uh, if we don't change that dramatically and we have to change that quickly because we're already in March mm-hmm. going in April, uh, it's going to be tough now. So, you know, but he's got he's got the economic elements to surprise people. The disposable income is is up, the economy's doing well. With the right political organization and apparatus, he could if surprise he loses people. The House and the Senate. Well, they'll probably go. He's in try, trouble. They'll probably move to impeach him. Yeah. 
But then, you know, you got to, you know, you know, look, they moved to impeach uh, President and Clinton. The, the, they impeached them, and then you couldn't get a uh, trial together. There's also and, the Mueller investigation hanging over it. I, you know, look, I Possible. could be— I'm not listen, thinking I've Russians been, more than money laundering been, and other I've things. I've been wrong about so many things. Yeah. I think he comes out of the Mueller investigation okay. I, I, I just—maybe there'll be people in the periphery mm-hmm. that are getting hit or— Even his family. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I'm not close enough to it. But I think he comes out okay. Guy's never used email, uh, rarely uses a cell phone. He's, I, I didn't see any collusion. I'll maintain that. I don't that. think the Russian is the issue. It's money laundering. Okay. Maybe that That's is. Right. I don't, again, I wasn't there, so I'm I don't I'm not sure know. you can be in real estate in New York okay. and be in debt without I, some. I don't know. You'd have to look into badness. that and maybe they, maybe they have something. I'm not. I'm not a prosecutor. I don't have Again, subpoena maybe power. they have something. Maybe they don't. I don't know. My prediction is, though, he's the sitting president. It'll be hard to take him out. That's okay. my prediction. Last question, your book. Yeah, go ahead. So your book, we start, we start where we began. What, um, it's about blue-collar president? You're, t- you're talking about one of the richest working kids. Title. It's, you're talking no, no, about the rich- working, no, it's the working title. You know, uh, Donald J. Trump Jr. called his father the blue-collar billionaire. Yeah. And so, so the rich kid said the rich kid was a blue-collar billionaire. Yeah, but he was, though. So yeah. That's the, that's the okay. irony. Right. So, because, like, he saw something that the yes. other global elites didn't see. A billionaire who likes the blue-collar people. All right, or but go whatever, ahead. But right. he, didn't, he didn't, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't see it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 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 Secretary, yep. let me tell you something, okay? And people— Who is and more blue-collar, if you think about not, it? comes from they, a much more may, modest background. They may not— they may not like me for saying this, mm-hmm. okay? But I'm okay with it now. I'm comfortable in my own skin. There were 18 or 20 candidates on the field in 2016. Mm-hmm. There were only two candidates that saw the economic desperation and duress. Yep. Bernard Sanders, Donald J. Trump. Mm-hmm. The other guys didn't see it. I'm just telling yep. you. Okay. And by I, the way, I, by the way, I got my hand raised here. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a guy that didn't see it mm-hmm. because I spent 30 years of my life going up the economic spire of opportunity and class transcendence, and I wanted to be rich. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to the World Economic Forum. I wanted to talk to cool people like you. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be on television. I wanted to have financial independence and take care of my family. And so I was very driven, and I started to push myself into the world of collective biases of the elites, mm-hmm. and I didn't see it. It wasn't until I started campaigning with the president, or then the candidate, that I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, he's definitely He's talking it. to the people that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. These are the people I grew up with. And my parents are insulated from these people because I'm paying for everything and mm-hmm. I'm you know, making sure they're okay. But the people I grew up with are having a rough time right now, and he sees it. He's a billionaire living in a tower near the Tiffany store. He sees it, and I'm a Dumkoff. Mm-hmm. I did not see it. Right. Why didn't I see it? Because I'm tunneling myself in. In this, in it, it, the blue collar. I think. Let me finish so by the, asking. So to you me, what? the blue collar president means that he recognizes the economic duress and he's trying to implement policies to help them. And thus far, 13, 14 months into it, the economic data suggests that there are elements of what he's doing that are actually working. Is he going to somehow try to stop the divisiveness, the, the Twitter attacks? The I know that people say it's beneath the president, but there is a point where there is deco- not decorum, but just simple behavior. So here's my prediction. Want my prediction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm... Uh, he gets the right staff around him, guys he really trusts, mm-hmm. men and women he really trusts that are, like I said, they pass the snickering test. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not walking out of his office snickering in a Georgetown mm-hmm. salon about mm-hmm. him because mm-hmm. they think they're above him and he's beneath them. 
Uh, he gets those people in the room with him to work with him. Uh, he dials back all the nonsense on Twitter. That Twitter stuff, in my opinion, comes from I'm undefended. I don't have the appropriate media advocacy. They're hitting me. I'm going to talk about Mika's facelift. Mm-hmm. Okay, don't talk about Mika's facelift. Let's use Twitter for policy. Let's use Twitter for mm-hmm. strategy. If you want to be cute and New Yorker on Twitter, that's fine. But let's not go into Mika's facelift. We don't need to go mm-hmm. in that direction. Right, which he does. Even though, it's but, but, his, at this but point, his thing, he. They're hitting him, so he's going to hit them back, and he uses Twitter because he's got 50 million people on Twitter now. And so that's uh, – I don't know. I think that New York Times has a 3 million person mm-hmm. population of people. So divide that. He's got 17 times the New York Times' yeah. force. Some of them are that's bots, the, Anthony. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, I understand that. But, but in other words, let me, put, let me put it this way. When he puts something out on Twitter, oh, does it, it not show up on the of world course. news? It does, Crazily right? Crazily enough. Yeah, so, so he's, he's getting to hundreds of millions of people off of Twitter. So one last question about tech, because this is a tech podcast. Mm-hmm. How do you look at tech, tech, which is quite opposed to Trump, I would say, overall, but not completely? You know, I mean, I'm, I, part, yeah, he yeah, has yeah, been yeah, hostile you, to tech. He has been. Yeah, there are people in Silicon Valley, and I, I know and they don't are. worry, you'll remain nameless for this podcast. I'm I not know gonna, who they are. I'm not going to out you guys. Yeah. But there's a large group of people in Silicon Valley that, because of the fascism oh, gonna, of the left, because mm-hmm. the left is primarily no, fascist, they, you can't express your view. We know Peter Thiel's moving to Los Angeles. Forget, so about, Peter, forget about Peter Thiel. <laughs> right. He's he's out right. of the. You know. The gay community took a while to get out of the closet. It's yeah. socially acceptable now. Yeah. There's a large group of people that are in the closet, Trump supporters in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Trust me. In the closet. In the closet, Trump supporters, because they can't come out of the closet because they're shamed by mm-hmm. leftist fascism. Mm-hmm. You know, look, I'm a victim of leftist fascism. I can't mm-hmm. even go back to my alma mater. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed back on the campus of Tufts University mm-hmm. because I'm a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. Fine with it. Oh, you long suffering people. Like, you're not suffering. Come on. You get to say what you want. I get to say what I want because you're cool and you've got a microphone in front of me. Yeah. There are certain areas people don't like what I'm saying and they want to keep it. Well, defend it then. Defend it. I'm, I'm, I, They're not being you know, fascist. The fascists is they make you do something. No, let me let me let me. Tell I can't you imagine okay. anyone making have, you shut up. If I if I was an actor in Hollywood and a right. Trump supporter, I'm getting a lot of work. I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, you know, they don't get a lot of work. So, so here's here's the bottom line. Some of them are there's, bad there's actors. A, let's be honest. Uh, oh, 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 okay. He doesn't have a good okay, coterie. Okay, okay. Of you're, you're so Come funny. On. You're so funny. It's true. You have a lot of in the closet <laughs> Trump supporters right. in Silicon Valley. All right. Okay. All right. But wh- where does it come with tech? With all the different things with Russia, with their responsibility. There's a sort of backlash to tech. Here's the good news. Okay, you got a free market president. If you really study the origination, who of likes so, tariffs? But go ahead, keep going. If you, if you. You want to talk about the tariffs? No, we I don't. Talk Not all right day now. about the tariffs. No, there's okay. sanctions, and you, I, I okay, think there's sanctions. Okay, we talk all day about this. It, it, right. it, the playing field's uneven. Right. He's got yeah, to even yeah. up the playing field. Okay. Has to. Right. And they know he has to, and he will, just like they raised the uh, the, the dough on NATO. Right? They, 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 They'll make so many compromises right. in it, it won't matter. Let's go, go back ahead. to what you want to talk about. Right. Okay. Tech. The good news is he's going to leave them alone. They're probably not going to leave him alone. They're going to probably pour money into some left-wing Democratic candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, but they I don't think they're lefty at all. I find them incredibly conservative. But go ahead. What are the tech, tech guys? people? Yeah, I know that, but mm-hmm. they're not. They're anti-Trump. I'm telling you right now. You want to see anti all this immigration okay, nonsense? You want to see? You want to see the floodgate mm-hmm. open for the mm-hmm. Democratic Party mm-hmm. from Silicon Valley? 
pick a Connor Lamb, not mm-hmm. him, but pick mm-hmm. a older mm-hmm. Connor Lamb. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Convince Bob Iger to run. Mm-hmm. Pick, convince. He's not doing it. Uh, convince Howard Schultz. I mean, these Maybe. are pra- these are practical business people. Mm-hmm. Okay, that the 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 Silicon Valley guys would say. Hey, I'm probably more libertarian than I am liberal. Yeah. Let's 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 go with that guy. Mm-hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you got a chance. Other than that, you got no chance. But where where is tech so, now going forward with all these attacks my, on Facebook my, and Twitter? And uh, my my opinion is so, it's that very clear the Russians use the platforms. My, my my opinion is that you got wickedly smart people at Facebook and Twitter and these other places, and they're all new, and so they're going to take a while to get to the right editorial objectivity mm-hmm. where fair people can express their opinions fairly and there'll be less shadow banning on either side or whatever it might be. And it will by and large work out and there'll be a period of tumult mm-hmm. like there is in any society where you're seeing radical, you know, Schopenhauer ask, you know, breakdown mm-hmm. of a system and a rebuilding of a system, just like there was when we went from horse and buggy to horseless carriages and just like we've done every time we've had a massive S-curve move in technology. Mm -hmm. So my prediction is it'll be a little shaky and it'll be a little uh, polemical Mm -hmm. in the beginning, but then it'll sort itself out and that these people that are running these companies, uh, I mean, this is my opinion, so just take it for what it's worth. They're by and large fair people. They by and large want Mm -hmm. the freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, I am struck by what I said that Silicon Valley strikes me as way more libertarian. It is a hundred. That's what I mean. Liberal, They're right? Not liberal. And so, so, so libertarians are actually for gay marriage. Mm-hmm. They don't care what people do in their bedrooms. Yeah. Okay. And so, so for me, I think it'll work out. I think the good news for them is that the president is ignoring them. You know, yes. he's got four <laughs> things that he's <laughs> yeah, he, yeah yeah he's ignoring them. He's got yeah. four things he wants to work on. He needs to pay attention soon. There's some things coming down the pike. All right. uh, well, uh, uh, robotics, well, automation, self-driving. Well, well yeah. And, 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 Big you know, job displacement yes. issues, possibly. And so that's possibly why we got to we got to tackle the educational issues mm-hmm. and technical skill training. Mm-hmm. And and I'll leave you with this one thought. All right, I'll leave you, you leave with this one, with thought. one thought. One thought. You want one thought? Yeah. Uh, because you do a, you interview a lot of people. Yeah. And if you get a public servant on your podcast, why don't you ask them what the twenty five year plan is for America? Mm-hmm. Say hey. Tell me the politician that has a 25-year plan for America mm-hmm. that's a data-dependent plan that isn't focused on the left or focused on the right, but is actually a right or wrong plan, right? And meaning that here are policies for the United States. Forget about left and right. Are they right or wrong for America? And who's the politician that's focused on that? And None. who's the politician that's going to lay out the realness to the American people. Hey, I got bad news for you. We're not fixing the deficit in a cable news cycle. Mm-hmm. I got really bad news for you. We're mm-hmm. not fixing the job displacement mm-hmm. from robots in five years or 10 years. It's going to take us 25 mm-hmm. years. I've got really bad news for you. Um, our infrastructure is crumbling. And, and AI is going to take your job. And, and AI is going to take your job and the infrastructure is crumbling. And we're going to have a third world country run by robots if we don't come up with the right policies. So, so who's doing that? And so I would leave you with that, and I would say it rhetorically, but I would also say it emphatically, that America needs a 25-year plan. And let me give you the bad news. The Chinese have a 50- and a 100-year plan. They do. And so the America is not going to have that because it's America. 
Well, we could have a 25-year plan, mm -hmm. and we could have a bipartisan commitment to that plan to help our children and our grandchildren. And, and one thing I learned about Washington, why don't you guys stop the nonsense and knock it off with each other with the stupid you know, backstabbing and the subterfuge and work on the 25-year plan to help America? Why don't you work on Trump getting off of Twitter and doing that? It creates divisiveness. I was there for 11 days. 11 days, those long 11 stop, days. I couldn't get him to stop tweeting on Jeff Sessions. Yeah. He's, he's going to do what he does, yeah. okay? But he's going to be fine for Silicon Valley and— there will be progress made under his administration, but it's not the answer long term. We have to develop a 25-year plan. And who's responsible for that? Politicians? The I tech the, companies? Well, the I think citizenry. Citizens. I think that we have to activate the citizens. All right. Got to activate. You know, if Are you, you had, running for office? That's my last question. Would you run for no, office? Do I look nuts? I, I don't I mean, know. Do I look crazy? I don't know. No. I'm, how would I, first of all, how could I even run for office? Everything that I just said doesn't fit any party. Right. I don't know. Well, what party does that fit in? Zero the party. Mooch party. Oh, yeah, the Mooch party. Yeah, that's going to win fucking... <laughs> Why do that? Actually, I do have oh, one final question because we got to go. I'm sorry about that. I used to have that's one. okay. I don't care. That's going to win 11, um, that's gonna I have win one 11 last votes over 11 days. You allow people to make fun of you using the Mooch and the whole thing. Why, how, you're very humorous about it. I could care less. Yeah. You like it, though, too. Oh, it's not, I necessarily like it. I just think that what other people think of me is none of my business. I mm -hmm. could care less. You know, the, the, the irony about being called the mooch, I've been called the mooch my entire life since the second grade in 1972. And it, it turns out that the left loves it because it's a quote-unquote pejorative because, you know, you know, he mooches off. You know, mm -hmm. A mooch is a yeah, moocher, yeah. Right? right? The irony is I've, been more, I've been more mooched. <laughs> than Ben Amucher, trust mm -hmm. me. You could just look at my philanthropy. But mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, I don't care. That's my last name. My last name is Scaramucci. Mm -hmm. My friends from high school call me Mooch. That was on my varsity football jacket, mm -hmm. Mooch. I'm sure it was. So, so big deal. Are you going back to the White House? Yeah, I'm not even allowed in the White House. How I know I that I heard that. I, I can't even. I'm on like the naughty list, okay? <laughs> you can't get within a block of the White a little bit. The guy's like a little bit thin You hit Kelly a little bit. Come on. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. I come told on. the truth. Big deal. I get it. But Said it the morale's terrible bit. in the White House. Yeah. Don't hit me. Yeah. Why don't you back off of me? I'll back off of you. If you're uh -huh. not going to back off of me, I got no problem going All right, after Rocky you. Balboa. This has been entirely mm. enjoyable. Come on. Thank you so much. Rocky Balboa. At least you didn't say Vito Corleone, all right? I was all thinking right. it. You okay. were. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Mooch, it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Special thanks to Alan Peng for recording this in New York and to Skybridge Capital for hosting us in their offices. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell others about the show. That helps people discover great interviews like this one. Now that you're done with this, you should check out our other Recode radio podcasts. On Recode Media with Peter Kafka, you'll hear no-nonsense interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I also host Too Embarrassed to Ask, along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference and Code Media. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then.